All right, right here. Save your life spiritually and physically. Here's the benefits of walking. Just about 20 minutes a day. Reduce the risk of coronary heart disease. Let me tell you about coronary heart disease. It gets you, you're done. Okay, end of story. The end, okay? Next one, improves blood sugar and blood levels. Okay, blood pressure, blood sugar levels, it improves. Third thing, improves blood lipid profile. None of you know what that means. Helps maintain body weight and lower the risk of obesity. Enhance mental well-being. Listen, I walked in when you guys were out there like going crazy. Some of you need some enhancing in the mental well-being, okay? Here's the next thing. Reduce the risk of osteoporosis. Reduce the risk of breast and colon cancer. Reduce the risk of non-insulin dependent type 2 diabetes. Listen, something as simple as walking has all of these health benefits. Yet here's what we do. We avoid it at all cost. <clears throat> we avoid it at all cost. You go to Hamilton Place Mall, there's one elevator. There's 40 people standing there waiting. I'm like, bro, there's a set of stairs right over there. It's two flights. If you struggle, you need to call 911. All right, we got escalators on both ends of the mall. Hey, two flights might be too much for me. You even go to an airport, <clears throat> okay? I can deal with an escalator that at least goes in an incline. But if you go to a major airport, they have them on flat ground. I mean, we have become so lazy and so want to avoid any kind of walking that we put a moving escalator on flat ground. Now, here's the last thing I'm going to say. How many of you in here are 16? Anybody in here driving? Raise your hand if you're driving. If I ever see you doing this, okay, I'm going to pull you out of your car and give you a spanking, okay? Listen, you go to Walmart. It's got a parking lot of 2,500 parking places, some of which are like 50 feet further than the others. And yet you have that one person that pulls up and waits for like 15 minutes for the little old lady to pull out of the front one while everybody else is backed up in line. Listen, don't do that, okay? Drive out about 75 yards, park your car. By the time you get past them, they're still waiting. It's quicker. It's actually quicker, and you get to walk. Now, here's what I've realized. What's true in the physical world? What's true in the physical world? The benefits of walking. The benefits that actual physical walking has on your life, the same is true in the spiritual world. In the New Testament, over 96 times in the New Testament, this phrase is coined. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling. A lot of times it's translated this. Live your life, walk, what you do on an everyday basis in a manner worthy of the calling. Of the calling. If you have your Bible, I want you to open them up to Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. You got your Bible? Raise it up. You got it? You need to bring it. All right? Bring your Bible. Ephesians, I know everybody's got them on their phones and iPads and all this stuff. I still carry a Bible. All right? Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Now, let me catch you up on the book of Ephesians. You with me? Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. Okay? Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. If you were to take the book of Ephesians, you listening? Because I love attention. Listen, if you were to take the book of Ephesians, you could almost split it in half. The first three chapters deal with doctrinal truth. I mean, it's like heavy stuff. Chapter one deals with some of the most controversial things in all of scripture that people like to argue about so they can avoid having life change. 
okay? They want to argue about all these doctrinal things when they have un, un, insurmountable amounts of sin in their life. I'm like, deal with the sin. I think God can take care of the theology side of things. But Paul, really, there's this great divide. You have doctrinal truth, and here's the doctrinal truth. This is who we are in Christ. If you were to read Ephesians chapter 1, and you were just to circle, just, or take a highlighter or underline, every time in Ephesians, Ephesians 1 it said, in Christ, your whole chapter would be underlined or circled or, or highlighted. Because Paul is reiterating over and over to the church at, church at Ephesus that the only way we can do this is in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, not if anyone knows Christ, not even if anyone believes in Christ, not if anyone has knowledge of Christ, here's what he says. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. You don't look like you used to look. You don't talk like you used to talk. You don't act like you used to act. You don't think like you used to think. You are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Yourself has been replaced with the person of Christ. And in Ephesians, what we have here is, is Paul writing to the church at Ephesus saying, listen, because of who you are in Christ, doctrinal truth, this is what it looks like lived out, practical application. In Ephesians chapter four, verse one, here's what Paul says. He says this, therefore I urge you, okay, because of what we've just heard, not because of what you've done, but because of what you just heard, he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you, urge you. The word there in the actual Greek is this word, it's perikaleo. Here's what it means. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus and he's saying this, just like Brian says to you guys this each week, students, I invite you to come with me on this journey of faith. And what Paul says to the church at Ephesus is this. He says, I am inviting you to come alongside me. When I was a senior in college, one of my professors, I got to know my professors. I realized this really early on. I wasn't very smart. <clears throat> I mean, from an intellectual standpoint, why are you laughing, Jennifer? Not Lockerman anymore. Listen, I'm not a very smart person, so here's what I realized. If I can get to know my teachers and build a good relationship with me, they may realize how dumb I am too and feel sorry for me and help me with my grades. Okay, so I got to know my professors really well, and one of them was this really good endurance athlete. In my senior year of college, he said this. He said, Heath, are you open this weekend in May? I said, sure, whatever you need. He said, because here's what I need. I need you to come alongside me to Kettle Moraine, Wisconsin, and I'm going to do, before I turn 50, he was 48 at the time, he said, I'm going to run a 100-mile trail run. 50 miles out, 50 miles back. Some of you guys struggle driving 100 miles without getting tired. This joker at 48 years old was gonna run 100 miles straight. He said, and here's what I'm gonna do. I mean, I'm all in at this point. This is awesome. Because it's requiring no work yet. Plane ticket, free food, hang out with a buddy that's gonna give me the answers to the exam as we're hanging out. And then all of a sudden he says this. Yeah, and you get to run the last 40 miles right beside me and carry my stuff. I was like, well, let me think about it. But here's what he did. He invited me to come alongside of him to accomplish something in his life that he wanted to accomplish before he turned 50. And here's what Paul's doing. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. He's writing to believers, and here's what he's saying. Listen, I, this is an open invitation to come alongside me as we try to advance the gospel. 
And I know over the past few weeks leading up to next week, here's what Brian has been challenging you with. Listen, let's invite people alongside us. Let's invite people alongside us to advance this thing that we say has impacted our life and caused us to be a new creation. Paul says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you. And then he says this, to walk in a manner worthy of the callings. Again, some translations, your translations may say, live your life here. Here's what Paul says, live it up. Live it up. Can I tell you the most tragic thing amongst believers to me? Can I tell you what it is? is that we would walk around defeated. When I see a Christian, a person who says they truly follow Christ, and they walk around with a negative attitude, I promise I want to slap them. Here's why. Because how can we say that the person of Christ has rescued us from everything we've ever done and everything we will do and has already given us a seed in heaven, a place in heaven, how in the world can we walk around defeated? Paul challenges them. He says this, live your life. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Here's what's unique, and I know that, that you guys deal with this as well. When I was a student pastor, here was one of the biggest questions, and I get this pe question a lot with my athletes at UTC. We have a very Christian team uh, at UTC. Here's what they'll ask me all the time. Coach, you know, I, I just want to know God's will for my life. I'm just trying to figure out, God, I don't know what I want my major to be. I don't know where I'm going to live. I'm trying to figure out who I'm going to marry. They're crying at my house over breakups, these big, tough guys. I mean, they got all sorts of issues. But they're like, man, I want to figure out what God's will for my life. And here's what I say. God's will is the same for every single person. Can I tell you, this, listen, if this is the only thing you hear, please hear me out. God's will is the same for every single person. And here's God's will for your life, whether you're in seventh or 12, my life, whether I'm a coach or a student pastor, God's will is this, follow me. Paul here writes to the church at Ephesus and he says this, walk in a manner, live your life in a manner worthy of the definite article, not a calling, not some calling, not one calling, he says, the calling. Here is the calling. The same calling for Matthew, the tax collector, as it is for Heath Esslinger, the lost senior in high school. The calling is this, follow Christ. Now the question becomes, how do we balance life with calling? Because when Paul writes here, I want you to live your life, I want you to walk in a manner Worthy of the calling, here's the picture in the actual language. It's a picture of balancing the scales. It's a picture of balancing the scales. He says, listen, who you are at Cleveland High School, Cleveland Middle, Bradley High, Okoy Middle, Lake Forest Middle, Walker Valley High School, Silverdale, wherever you're at, who you are at those places, places should match who you are in Christ. Your everyday life should match your calling. And if it doesn't, you're not living your life in a manner worthy of the calling. Here's what's unique, the word worthy here. And you see this word in the actual language in the book of Ephesians over and over. It's the word reflection. And when you look back all the way to Genesis chapter 1, here's what you see. Is that God created all these things and they were good. And then he gets to man and he says this, let us make man in our what? Image. What is an image? 
It's a reflection. And when Paul says, I want you to live your life in a manner worthy, here's what he's saying. Who you are should reflect who you say you are. Your everyday life should match your calling. Not some calling, not, not that you're a great athlete, not that you're a student pastor, not that you're a coach, not that you're a worker, not that you sell cars, not that you do anything other than the calling. And that is simply to follow Christ. A.W. Tozer says this. He has a sermon. I love this sermon. It's called The Spiritual or Secular Tightrope. In his sermon, The Spiritual or Secular Tightrope, here's what A.W. Tozer says. He says, make your, I love this phrase. This is good stuff. Here's, and I get, my wife's like, why are you so excited? You get more excited than anybody there. I do. All right. Every passage I ever teach from, I say it's my favorite one. All right, so tonight, guess what my favorite passage is? Ephesians 4.1. All right, we'll do 4.2 later. All right, but A.W. Tozer says this in his sermon, Spiritual or Secular Type Rope. He says this, make your everyday activity count. Caleb, you know what that means? When you go bass fishing, you make it count. No kidding. Some people say, oh, you can't bass fish. That's fun. You know what I say? Make it count for Christ. Some people say, man, you're, you're a coach. They say, how do, you, how, how do you weave Christianity into your coaching? I'm like, what are you smoking? I'm a Christian that coaches, not a coach that sprinkles in Christianity. My calling is to follow Christ. My assignment right now is coaching. It might change tomorrow. But my calling is to follow Christ. I don't need to get caught up in what my next assignment is. If I follow Christ each day, here's what he'll do. If I follow him today, tomorrow the right door will be open. And if I follow him the next day, the right door will be open the next week. And if I follow him that whole week, the next month, the next year, so on. You'll end up in the places you're supposed to be. I can promise you this. Let me let you in on a newsflash. I never thought with an exercise science degree, PE, okay, let's call a duck a duck. Why are you laughing, Chad, from? All right. I never thought with a PE degree I'd ever be the youth pastor at First Baptist. Some people are probably going, you shouldn't have been. All right. That's what I thought too. All right. Listen, I never thought I'd end up here meeting with Jim Gibson at a Cracker Barrel saying, hey, you want to be our interim for a summer and it turned into a couple of years? I never thought, never even crossed my mind, never even wanted to be the head coach at UTC. I promise you I never thought I'd be coaching at Cleveland High after graduating from Bradley High. But I'm telling you this, as you follow Christ, he will open doors that you didn't think he could open. Paul says this, I'm urging you, I'm asking you to come alongside and to walk, look at me, students, to walk, to go to school, and to go to practice, and to go home, and to talk to your parents, and to talk to your siblings, and to talk to your friends, and to date your boyfriend or girlfriend in a manner worthy of the calling. All of those things should match who you are in Christ. And if not, we deal with it. Paul says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling. He says, let the scales be balanced. A.W. Tozer, I'll get to it, he says this. Eating can be as spiritual as praying, and praying can be as secular as eating. Because here's what I've ran into in the college world. Here's what college kids love to talk about. They love to talk about theology. Hey, you, you, are you a Calvinist? Or are you believing free will? I'm like, Who cares? Did I get a say-so in it? The question is not if God chose. He obviously chose something. The question is why he chose. Can I, ch can I tell you why he chose? 
so that you could live your life in a manner worthy of the calling. Because his ultimate goal was for you to be a reflection of who he was. All the way back in Genesis, sin messed it up, Christ restored it, now that's our job. Live your life in a manner worthy of the calling. Then Paul does this. Here, here, one thing, and I wrote this in my notes today. Here, here, here's this, and we'll go to the five attributes. Here's what I wrote in my notes. I said, if learning doesn't lead to living, okay, you listening? Because you live in an era of education. We, we cram down your throat that if you'll just get smarter, life will get better. It's a lie, okay? Because I ain't very bright, and I think my life's pretty good, all right? We tell you if you'll, you'll just get smarter, and sometimes that carries over into the spiritual side of things. But here's what I wrote in my, my notes. If learning doesn't lead to living, to living your life in a manner worthy of calling, if learning doesn't lead to living, then you are simply being educated and not transformed. Our position in Christ leads to transformation and not simply knowledge. Our position, who we are in Christ, and here's what I love about our position in Christ is everybody's a quarterback. I'm not kidding. Everybody's, the, everybody's got the ball. I don't like to play sports when I'm not part of it. You ever played like church, Wednesday night church volleyball? It's awful. Okay, because there's like 26 kids on the court. 22 of them can't even hit it over the net. Sorry, I'm just being honest. All right? Listen, and I was the youth pastor that's like banging kids out of the way, like bumps. You know, I wanted to hit the ball. Everyone, Jennifer's laughing again. It's true. Listen, I want to touch the ball. You know what's great about Christianity? It's here's what Jesus did. He said, I am inviting you to play quarterback in your life. Heath, here's what I'm asking you. I want you to be quarterback, and I want you to live your life in a manner worthy of the calling. Then he gives us five attributes. We'll go through them quick because you look bored. All right? Here's what they are. First one is this. Paul says this. If you want to live your life in a manner worthy of the calling, you need to put on these three, five things. If you've ever seen my family go on vacation or just a simple walk, dude, it's torture. Okay? We rent a U-Haul to go to Walmart to get groceries. All right? Listen. We take a lot of stuff. We go on a walk. We have to grab the leash. We have to grab a water bottler. We have to have two different strollers, an umbrella stroller, a big stroller. We got to grab all this stuff. It's miserable. But for our walk to be successful so we don't have a six-year-old breaking down crying, saying she needs a snack, we take everything with us that's needed so the walk is successful. And here's what Paul says. Paul says, I'm going to give you the five attributes that will make your walk successful. You with me? Here's the first one. Humility. Here's what Paul says, Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Then he says this, verse 2, with all humility, with all humility. Here's what humility means. It means to think or judge with lowliness. Can I be quite honest with you? I am not always the most humble person. Can I tell you what sports teach us nowadays? Here's what sports teach us. You be selfish. It's about you. Can I tell you that Christian parents in sports teach children that it's all about them? Yet Jesus Christ teaches the polar opposite and says, listen, if you're going to come after me, you deny yourself, you take up your cross, which means you got, might get, your coach might do you wrong, whatever. You take up your cross and you follow me and you get over yourself. 
If you're really going to walk in a manner worthy of the calling, here's the first thing you've got to clothe yourself with. It's humility, and it's tough. But if, we're, if we will clothe ourselves with humility, here's what Paul says the next thing is. He says the next thing you have to do is you have to put on gentleness. Now, here's what I love about gentleness. It's the third beatitude. Okay, it's a fruit of the Spirit, and it's a character of Christ, character of Christ. It's the third beatitude. It's one of the characters of Christ, and it's a fruit of the Spirit. So to me, it's pretty important. Now, here's what I like translation better, because I'll be honest with you, I'm a wrestling coach, okay? I'm not the guy that really wants to be referred to as gentle, okay? I'm probably not going to land a lot of recruits if they say, oh, he's so gentle, okay? Here's what I love about the word gentle, though. The word gentle, actually translated meekness, means this. If you will humble yourself, the picture here is of a horse, like a wild horse being tamed. Because I grew up on a farm. Here's what I realized. If you have a horse that's out of control, people will get hurt. Watch the news. But here's what you can do. You can take a bridle, which we'll say that's God's word and Christ living in us, and we can take that bridle and not take away any of the horsepower, and we can channel a horse to do so much good, it's unbelievable. The question is this, will you allow God's word to penetrate your life so who you are is actually used for good? Paul says this, if you want to walk in a manner worthy of the calling, you need to be humble, you need to be meek or gentle. Here's the third thing, you need to be patient. I hate to walk, that's a good one for me. Boy, do I struggle here. I don't want to be patient. That's why I hate walking. It's also translated long-suffering. Here's what Jesus says. Listen, man, sometimes you got to wait. you got to wait. He says you got to be humble. Get over yourself. you got to be gentle. you got to allow God's word to, to guide who you are and what you are. Then he says this. you got to be patient. Things don't happen overnight. Then he says this, the fourth thing. He says, bearing with one another in love. Now listen, I live in a house of four girls. Let me tell you something. Enough said. All right? Bearing with one another in love, they fight over everything. That's my outfit. That's my fingernail polish. I want my hair a different way. There is sometimes not a lot of bearing with one another in love, but here's what Paul says. If you want to walk in a manner worthy of the calling, here's what he says today, paraphrase, Heath. I don't care if you go to Bradley. I don't care if you go to Cleveland. I don't care if you go to Walker Valley. I don't care if you're homeschooled. I don't care if you're white. I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're rich. I don't care if you're poor. I don't care if you're athletic. I don't care if you're musical. Here's what he says. You're to bear to, with one another in love. Here's what the Bible says. By this, all men, all, that's a good concept. By this, all men will know that you're to my, my disciples if you love one another. It doesn't say if you like each other, if you're all on the same page athletically. No, it says this, bear with one another in love. Be humble, be gentle, be patient, bear with one another in love. And then here's the fifth thing, which is a byproduct of the first four. He says this, maintain the unity of the spirit. If we will do these things, here's what I can promise you. If we will do those five things, look at me. Here's what I will promise you. In seventh grade, your everyday activity will count. In 10th grade, your everyday activity will count. In 12th grade, if you do those things, your everyday activity will count. And here's what I can say to you. 
if you will be those things, you will be one of the most magnetic people that walks on the face of this earth. Can I tell you what bugs me sometimes? Is that sometimes Christians, we repel people. We repel people. I mean, we're just bitter old grouchy people. The God of the universe saved us. Gave us new life. Says if we'll be in him, we'll be a new creation. Said that he's come so that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Yet we're ticked off because we got to wait 10 minutes at Walmart. Look at me. If we will do these few things, if we will take serious and come alongside Paul and come alongside the leaders in our student ministry and come alongside some of the older kids in our student ministry and come alongside some of the people that are actually walking in a manner worthy of the calling, here's what will happen. We'll become some of the most magnetic people. And Brian, here's what I can tell you is that next week there won't be any difficulty getting people here. There will be zero difficulty. Because when I say to my friend, hey, man, won't you come check out what we're doing on Wednesday night? You know what? He'll be so intrigued. He'll be so intrigued that he'll say, man, I want to go because you're a little bit weird, but dude, I want what you got. Not you, not you specific. I'm saying me. You know what they'll say? They'll say, man, I don't know what you got, but I'd like to have a piece of it because I have zero hope in my life. Here's my challenge to you. If you were to gauge your life, if your life was a seesaw right now, and one side was calling, and one side was your everyday activity, would they match? Here's the good news. If they don't, here's what God says. Just come back. Just come back. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, you know what? I know Christ. I actually believe in him. I mean, I believe he died on the cross and all these things. But I'm not in Christ. Can I tell you, you're missing out on what's best for your life. So maybe you're here tonight and you say, you know what? For real, I need to be in Christ. Can I tell you, in April of 1995, my senior year of high school... I knew a lot about Jesus, but I wasn't in Christ. I got it right. My life changed. I was a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, man, I need to be in Christ. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, listen, my life just doesn't match. You know what I love about Paul is that in Romans, here's what he says. He goes, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. My life's a freaking mess. Can I tell you there are days I wake up and I say, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. My life's a freaking mess. Here's what the Bible says, that his mercies are made new every morning. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, listen, man, it's my senior year. My life, man, doesn't match my calling. You know what God says? Come back. Come back. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing a few more songs. And here's my challenge to you. Don't evaluate what everybody else is doing. Just evaluate you. Just evaluate you. And if there's things in your life you need to deal with, can I tell you, you know what humility leads to? It leads to you dealing with things that you don't want to deal with. And Paul says the first attribute of someone that walks in a manner worthy of the calling is that they're humble. So my prayer tonight is that you would humble yourself and whatever it is going on in your life, you would say this, I want my life to match my calling. Because without a doubt, whether it's my sophomore year, my junior year, my senior year, I want my everyday activity to count. Because, Chris, if I'm a wrestler, that activity needs to count.
And if I'm a coach, that activity needs to count. And if I'm in the band, that activity needs to count. And if I'm a student, every classroom I walk in, that activity needs to count because I'm living my life in a manner worthy of the calling. Let me pray for us and then we'll sing. Lord, thank you for tonight. And God, I'm grateful for people who invested in me. God, I thank you for Joe Reed who walked on a road at Camp Cherokee in June of 1995 and said, do you really know who Christ is? And for the first time, I could say yes. God, thank you that my life is a mess at times. Sometimes I'm a, I'm a subpar dad and a subpar husband. At the end of the day, all you're saying is come back. And God, I pray for students that they wouldn't miss out on letting everyday activity count in their life. Lord, whether they're just going to school or they're hanging out with their buddies or, or maybe some of them it's their relationship with their parents. God, I know it's a struggle. But God, Paul's challenge to us is this, is if this is who we are in Christ, this is what our lives should look like. And if it's not matching, then we're saying one of two things. Either Jesus isn't who he said he is or we're not who we say we are. So God, tonight, may our proclamation be this, that Jesus, you are who you say you are. And help me to deal with the things that I need to deal with so that my life looks like you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.